Jerry Steele, and you're listening to Season 4 of the Miss McBookworm Podcast. This is a podcast that brings you stories from Christian women. It's a space for women who write fiction to share their stories in audio form and ultimately to tell God's bigger stories through our smaller ones. This season, we're featuring writing from Chrissy Dallas. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Pink Snow by Chrissy Dallas You know it starts in your fingers and your toes, numbness, burning, tingling. His voice came from just behind me, higher and slightly to my right, his favorite place to sneak up on me. I tore my eyes away from the irritated text message I was composing and rolled them in his direction. What starts there? Frostbite. I could hear the amusement that always seemed to color his voice. You've been out here for a while. Are you tingling yet? Oh, I was tingling, but not from frostbite. This whole situation was encroaching on my comfort zone. But that wasn't his fault. I took a deep breath and glanced at the parking lot one last time. No red truck with the Springtown Porcupine's number 21 decal on the bumper had shown up today. And there was already a growing line of cars in front of the school. Parents were arriving in droves to pull their kids out before the weather got worse, and before the residents of our small town could no longer make it home safely on the back roads. The stage had been set for the perfect snowstorm. Blustery cold wind, ominous snow clouds, Texans buying out the last water bottles and canned goods from our one local grocery store. It was nine in the morning, but it looked like the color had been drained out of the world. A few flirty snow flurries teased us as they blew around but didn't stick. You know, it's too bad snow isn't pink, I mused. Can you imagine how beautiful the world would be covered completely in sparkly pink snow? Like cotton candy. He let out a spurt of laughter. That has got to be the girliest thing you've ever said. I shrugged. Pink makes me happy. I think that's obvious. I felt a playful nudge on my right shoulder, which was currently padded by my favorite pink and white coat. Dropping my phone back into my coat pocket, I muttered, I just wish I could have stayed home this morning. This was perfect weather for snuggling up in my bed with a good book. Or maybe even taking a glorious nap so I could dream about Connor. You should have. I warned you yesterday that it would be far worse than the forecasters originally predicted. I finally turned around to find books watching me through dark-rimmed glasses, hands shoved into the pockets of his black coat. Sometimes I wondered what he would look like without the glasses. He was tall, with spiky dark hair, and a decidedly lovable smile. Not a total loss of good looks, according to my best friend Kara, but his quirky aloofness kept him from being too crush-worthy, also according to Kara. Oh, and his name was Books. His real name. Yeah, that wasn't confusing at all in a school environment. He kept pace with me as I trudged against the biting wind back toward the school front doors. I'm five months away from graduating with perfect attendance since kindergarten, I reminded him, and that means scholarship money. If I had stayed home, it would have counted as an absence. But there's a 100% chance of snow about to hit this town at any moment. Surely they wouldn't count that against you especially since Principal Pennington will be announcing early dismissal and start sending the rest of us home in about 33.7 minutes. He held the door open for me and we both stumbled in, red-cheeked. Doesn't matter. I still have to show up to keep my perfect record. Of course. How could I forget about your perfection complex? 
He was teasing, but it made me bristle every time. Perfectionism came at a cost that I was sure laid-back, carefree books Porter could never understand. And how could I forget you're not from around here, Yankee? I tossed back at him. Books had moved to our town five months ago, at the start of our senior year. I wasn't even sure where exactly he came from, except that it was way north of Texas. I knew it hadn't been easy for him to make friends in a small town with kids who had grown up together since we were in diapers. Come to think of it, if Mrs. Grant hadn't put books and me together on that research project in September, I doubted he and I would have become friends. I narrowed my eyes. Since you're so smart, why did you come to school today, books? Because I knew you'd be here, he answered simply. And I knew you'd get skittish when the world didn't go according to your perfect plan. Are you calling me uptight? I asked good-naturedly, since he was pretty much right on target. Uptight? No. A bit of an overachieving control freak? Maybe. He patted my head. I swatted his hand away. Speaking of uptight, what's with you and precise predictions like that? 33.7 minutes? Really? Don't pretend like my predictions aren't usually spot on. My next one is that the bell for second period will ring in 28 seconds and you and I will both be late. He started steering me toward the math hall. Well, I predict it won't matter because our second period teacher is standing right over there telling the other teachers how crazy it is that we didn't call a snow day immediately. I pointed to the group of concerned teachers huddled against the wall checking weather apps on their phones and whispering knowingly to each other. And I agree with her. Sophia, I'm leaving, Rosalind called out to me on her way to the office. I spun around to see her wave. Text me later, okay? Be safe, I called back, jealous that her parents were concerned enough to come get her. My mind flitted to the text message I had just sent my own mother. I had a sick feeling she had only gone to work today so she could accidentally get snowed in with her new boyfriend who just happened to work with her. Don't get me wrong. Jake was a nice guy, and though he was 12th in a line of not-so-great boyfriends, he did seem to make Mom happy, which mostly kept her off my case. I just felt like her motherly instincts had been swayed by her other instincts. I was on my own if I was going to get home. My next words rushed out as we continued down the noisy hall. Principal Pennington won't call dismissal until the snow starts sticking, and then it'll be too late to drive myself home, and I heard it had already started icing over on the west side of town, and my road is too steep, and my mom is already forbidding me to drive, and I'm never going to get home. That sounded an awful lot like whining, and I had adopted a strict no-whining policy for myself once I was old enough to realize that's all my mom did. I stopped and held up my hands, displaying fuzzy pink gloves that were cut off at the fingertips, revealing freshly manicured pink nails. What does it mean if they're tingling now? I wiggled my frigid fingers in his face. He grinned and grabbed both of my hands in his, pulling me toward him. He was so natural about it that I almost didn't question the gesture at first. I was surprised at how warm his hands were, and kind of perfect. Not super soft like a boy who's never done manual labor— but not calloused and scratchy like some of the cowboys in this town. You people are crazy, he laughed. A few inches of snow in the forecast and everyone freaks out. I've never seen a whole town shut down this quickly, before the snow even really starts. Welcome to Texas. I tried to pull my hands away nonchalantly. A few juniors at the lockers in front of us were staring, and I did not want to start any rumors. No way, not when my chance with Connor had finally surfaced.
Exactly as books predicted, we entered our classroom seconds after the bell rang. There were only five students left, and they were all crowded around the one window in the room, watching and waiting in fascination. It had snowed here a grand total of six times, since I could remember. And Books was right. Texans were just not prepared for snowy weather. My eyes wandered to Connor's empty seat. Gorgeous, popular football star Connor. Was it cliche of me to crush on him from afar for the last three years? Probably. But I was a planner with a no-failure policy, another trait adopted due to bad parental example. Make the cheerleading squad? Check. Take all advanced classes? Check. Be inducted into National Honor Society? Check. Get elected as senior class president? Check. Rank number one in my class and graduate as valedictorian? Check. Almost. Show up at senior prom in the spring with Connor McHottie Maypearl as my boyfriend? Mm, Not quite a check, but it was practically in the bag. Getting Connor to fall in love with me had taken careful strategy and quite a bit of patience. I'd made some sacrifices to stand out among all the other girls in this town. I'd been growing my dark hair out for the last year and followed a strict workout regimen every single day. Switching to a vegetarian diet might not have been the popular thing to do here in meat-eating Texas, but it had helped me drop the last four pounds I wanted to lose in order to look right in my cheerleading uniform. And, side note, it had cleared up my complexion. Sometimes success came through the little details, and the last thing I had to accomplish was the perfect dreamy boyfriend. I wasn't going to settle for anyone less than the best. And as of two days ago, I had the text messages and the date plans this Friday night to prove that Connor was finally taking notice. I grazed my hands across Connor's desk, wishing he had shown up today. This whole fear of being stranded in a snowstorm would be much more appealing if Connor were here to keep me warm. You're daydreaming about him again, aren't you? There was books, sneaking up on me again from behind and to the right. According to Plato, your dreams are stimulated by the organs of your belly, primarily the liver. Makes sense, I guess. The liver helps get rid of waste in your body. So your daydreams of Connor are really just your attempt at getting rid of books. I interrupted him, perhaps a bit loudly. I peered around the room to see if anyone had heard him, but no, everyone was still watching the window. It really makes people feel awkward when you do that. Do what? He leaned against the desk beside me where I could see his face. When you start spouting off weird facts, take a break. Noted, he continued in a whisper. You know you're not going to prom in the spring with McHottie Maypearl, right? I predict that crush will be over sooner than you realize. How did he know about my prom dream? I had never told books about my plans to make Connor fall in love with me. I hid my discomfort and replied, Oh, really? Then who do you predict is my future prom date, Mr. Know-it-all? Someone about six foot three. He pretended as if he was seeing a vision before him. Remarkably attractive, despite Clark Kent glasses that disguise his true identity. Great hair. Irresistible sense of humor. And... He leaned down conspiratorially, so mysterious and enticing that you can't control your curiosity and you will be forced to fall helplessly in love with him. For a moment, I was speechless and a little breathless. Why did I encourage his snarky know-it-allness? His expression was so devilishly confident that I had to say, Interesting. I can't think of one person who fits that description. But I bet Connor would look good in Clark Kent glasses. He pulled back inside. I think you missed my point. 
I smiled innocently and started removing my gloves and coat since a sudden flush of heat came over me. I couldn't let books know that something about this conversation was making me really uncomfortable. Was my Connor crush that obvious to everyone, or was it just because books and I were good friends? Come on, Sophia, when are you going to wake up and realize that jerk is a waste of your time? When are you going to wake up and realize it's none of your business who I date? My voice was sing-songy, but I let it drip with warning. I took my pink plastic binder out and pretended to organize papers, which really just made me look fidgety. The binder was already perfectly aligned, labeled, and color-coded. Since when were you and Connor actually dating? Pretty sure I saw Jill Jenkins in his front seat on their way out of town last weekend. Shh! My face clouded over just like the storm clouds outside. Surely I could find one misplaced paper in this stupid binder. That was completely platonic. Connor told me that Jill needed a ride to her dad's house in Lake Worth. And that sure was nice of Connor to help her out, especially in her low-cut sweater and skin-tight jeans. Poor girl must have been freezing. Books! My heart was icing over at his words. Here comes the precipitation, Bryce chirped from the window. He spun around in excitement. Dude, Sophia, you should get in your car and hurry home. Don't you live on the west side? I turned away from books and my binder long enough to glimpse the thick snow flurries obscuring the view of the football stadium. The high-pitched pings of ice hitting the glass picked up significantly. Crap. My hands finally faltered in their futile task to find something to organize. Books murmured. It's just a matter of time before the electricity. The lights flickered a few times as if he had commanded it. Goes out. Down the hall, we heard the collective cry of students. The school already had electrical problems. If one gust of air blew the wrong way, we could lose all our power. Sweet, Bryce exclaimed. We're going home soon. In 19.8 minutes, I heard books mumble. I wanted to beat my head against the desk. Sophia, books. My teacher hustled into the room and saw us sitting there first. I need you both to go down to the storage room and grab the box of extra flashlights on the top shelf. Books, you should be able to reach it. Sophia, sweetie, find the fresh batteries in there and make sure each classroom on this hall has a working flashlight, just in case. I rose hesitantly. I didn't mind helping out. In fact, most of my teachers usually called on me to run errands around school. But at the moment, I did mind having to go with books. I really hoped he was ready to drop the Connor subject. I wasn't sure anymore that the sick feeling in my stomach was about the weather. We better hurry. I predict 5.4 minutes before we lose total electricity, books said on our way out the door. I remained silent and congratulated myself on successfully avoiding rolling my eyes. When we had navigated our way down the hall to the back of the school, he finally spoke again. Listen to me, Sophia. I'm only trying to protect you. Sometimes I can see things. He paused as if struggling to find the right words, and I listened intently, hoping he'd make me feel better about Connor. I mean, like, I understand things before other people do. And then I open my mouth about it, and yeah, I, I just don't want to see you get hurt by a guy like Connor. That did not make me feel better. You see things? What does that even mean? I don't know. Like, I know things. Future things. His voice trailed off. I stopped dead in my tracks and stared at him through wide eyes. You do know how crazy you sound right now, don't you? Nobody knows the future. He stopped walking and faced me. There was a thoughtful expression on his face as he shoved his hands back into his pockets and shrugged. 
see, this is one of those times when I need to just shut my mouth. I put my hands on my hips and waited for him to explain. Books squinted up at the ceiling as if listening for something. When he gazed back down at me, his voice was full of amusement again. Have you ever gone to see the Christmas lights up near the Texas-Oklahoma border? Books? There are like acres of wooded area you can drive through with the most incredible light displays. And they play Christmas music through this radio station that goes perfectly with what you're seeing. I'm serious. You need to. And I know it's freezing cold out, but there's a Brahms close by and peppermint ice cream just makes the whole experience even more holiday-like. And I'd really like to take you there. Books! This weekend. We stared at each other in silence. You know I can't go out with you. My voice sounded too small, too uncertain. I know nothing of the sort. I covered my eyes with my hands for a second. Connor and I are talking. So, you and I are talking right now, he pointed out matter-of-factly. No, I mean, Connor and I are talking. Like the stage that happens before you start dating. We have our first date Friday night. Holy shit, Biscuit, Sophia, he exploded. Connor is talking to at least three other girls right now. You can't prove that. I marched past him in a huff, wondering peevishly what was holy about a ship, Biscuit. He's only pretending with you. You're a good girl with a squeaky clean reputation. He knows you're exactly what he needs to clean up his image after all the crap he's pulled this year. But in the end, he will always find his way back to girls like Jill. I finally reached the door to the storage room and yanked it open. Stop talking about him like that. I tried to block out his words. The image of Connor's dimpled smile and heroic stance on the football field was suddenly looking hazy and distorted in my mind, thanks to stupid books and his jealous words. Not that Connor was perfect. He'd had his rough patches, but he was trying to change. And this had to be jealousy talking. Connor wouldn't really... I started grabbing at boxes haphazardly. The urge to reorganize the storage room struck me as I pilfered through the shelves. I couldn't help but straighten and move things around as I went. Then let's talk about you. His voice was alarmingly quieter now. You know you're only pretending with him, too. Books, I began, glad to not have to make eye contact. I grasped at everything I'd learned in debate class about calm, rational thinking and responses. I'm glad we're friends and that you care so much. You make me laugh, you're a great listener, and you're a dang good research partner. But assassinating Connor's character is not going to make me go out with you. I pulled out a small box and peered inside. I could feel my hands shaking as I spoke. I was used to books and his awkward social habits, but I had never felt awkward around him. This was a first. Look me in the eye and tell me I'm wrong about all of this. Tell me you don't really just want to date him for your own selfish image and popularity, Sophia. My hands became clumsy and I dropped something. I had never thought of my plans that way, ever. I wasn't being selfish. I was being principled, setting high standards. There was nothing wrong with that, was there? No way could I look him in the eye. Let's just drop it, okay? We need to focus on finding flashlights, and then I've got to figure out how I'm going to get home in this weather. I heard him sigh. Out of frustration or defeat, I wasn't sure. He must have turned away to reach for a box because his next words were muffled. I'll get you home safely, he assured me. It's why I came today. Whatever that means. Aloud, I said. My mom is forbidding me to drive my car home, so I guess I'll have to wait for them to send the buses out. The buses won't make it on the back roads. 
They'll all get rerouted back to the school immediately, including yours, when the driver realizes that hill will not be possible. Is that another one of your predictions? I asked, only half kidding. I surveyed him as he stretched his long, lean body to rifle through boxes on the top shelves. Yep, and if you're on that bus, you're going to end up being stuck here all day, he continued with confidence. But if you let me drive you home, you walk to school, I pointed out. I kept catching a whiff of his cologne or deodorant or something, something fresh and delicious amid the musty dankness of the storage room. And there were smooth muscles in his back that peeked out when he reached upward and his sweater inched up. It did something strange to the rhythm of my heart. We'll take your car. Your mom said you couldn't drive it home. Not that I couldn't drive you home, right? He tossed a mischievous look down at me. I looked away immediately because I had the distinct feeling he could tell I'd been admiring him. I pretended to peruse another box to my left. Then how would you get home after that? I can just walk. I shoved the box back on the shelf a little roughly. You can't walk home in snow and ice, especially not from my house. You can always invite me in for hot chocolate and board games the rest of the afternoon, he suggested lightly, which was strangely the next thought I had been constructing. What was wrong with me? I did a strange snort, laugh, choke thing. What is your predictive sixth sense telling you on that one? Um, hard to read at the moment. I had to smile at that, even if he couldn't see my face. That was when I spotted the batteries on the highest shelf to my left. They were out of my reach, so I stepped up onto the lowest shelf and reached up. Here, Soph, I'll get them. I heard him set a box down. No, I've got it, I protested, stretching my entire body as far upward as I could manage. On my tiptoes, my fingers barely grazed the half-open pack of fat batteries. But then the light in the storage room flickered and went completely dark. Books and I were plunged into blackness. With a startled cry, I felt myself tottering backward. I grappled with the shelving unit until I felt a warm body against my back and protective arms encircling my waist. I've got you. His breath tickled my neck, but in a way that sent warm shivers up my spine. Had it been 5.4 minutes since he predicted the power outage? My mind was flitting fuzzily in a million directions. I let go of the shelf and allowed him to lower me gently back to the floor, but he didn't let go. His voice came from behind and to my right once again. It was softer, closer than it had ever been. Are you at all curious what I predict will happen next? He whispered. Yes, I answered breathlessly. Very curious. For some reason, I settled further into his chest and something felt completely right there. Books's arms were a cocoon of safety, two radiating shields of comfort and goodness currently wrapped around my waist. Holy ship biscuit, I hope he doesn't let go. I predict, his chin grazed the top of my head, that we go pass out these flashlights and in about 13.6 minutes, one of his hands loosened around me and must have reached above my head for the batteries on the shelf. We sneak out, get in your car, and I drive you home. His other hand grabbed one of my wrists and turned my hand palm up. My shivers intensified while his voice remained low and calm. I also predict that by the time you enter your house today, you will have agreed to go on a date with me. Just one. What happens after that is totally unpredictable and up to you. Therefore, I will be on my best behavior until then. He placed the weighty pack of batteries in my hand. There are your batteries, ma'am. Time to go. 
and then he moved away from me so quickly that I was left contemplating the warmth of the glow he had been giving off in that cold storage room. I hated myself for it, but I was insanely ready to be back inside that glow, which meant I was insanely interested in whatever adventure books had up his sleeve for the day. I trusted him. Maybe too much. Passing out the flashlights was kind of a blur. The entire school was in a delighted panic. High school students usually thrive on unexpected circumstances with a little bit of drama. Except for me. I did not like chaos, and I certainly did not enjoy surprises. As surprise meant I was either A, not in control, or B, unprepared. Out of control, unprepared people tended to break no whining and no failure policies. I was, however, starting to rely on Books's oddly precise internal clock, so I wasn't surprised when the message started circulating via the teachers, thanks to no electricity and no PA system, that Principal Pennington was shutting school down. Students were instructed to call for rides or report to their teachers if they would need to board a bus. That was also my golden ticket out of there while keeping my perfect attendance record. You ready, Snow Princess? Books slung his backpack over his shoulder and slammed his locker. I donned my gloves and pulled my keys out. Are you sure we shouldn't take the bus? I glanced apprehensively at the line of students heading to the back of the school. I probably should have felt guilty for indirectly disobeying my mom, but I was still annoyed at her. Books should not have been the only one to genuinely care that I arrived home safely. I kept picturing the curvy back roads and that one infamous steep hill that led up to my driveway. The hill was dangerous enough in good weather. With a thick layer of slick ice coating it... Keys, books held out his hand, and I dropped them there. Our palms brushed again, and even through our gloves, it felt electric. I followed him to the exit closest to the student parking lot, making sure to wave at Principal Pennington on my way out the door. He waved his walkie-talkie back at me before frowning slightly. He was swamped with students and parents, so I was thankful he didn't have the chance to question my plans. However, now that I knew he saw me there, I was confident my perfect attendance scholarship was secure. Several inches of snow had collected around the parked cars. The flakes were coming down fiercely and sharp ice pelted my face. Without asking, Books grabbed my hand and started jogging with me toward my car. He clicked the alarm and then opened the passenger door for me. It was such a gentlemanly thing to do that I didn't really argue with him. Once he shut my door and I was alone, I realized the windshield was dark. Books must have started sweeping the snow off, but there was already a thin layer of ice on the glass obstructing my view. He cracked open the car door. You have an ice scraper? I looked at him like he was crazy. Of course not. This is Texas. He glanced around the parking lot once before sliding in behind the wheel. His lips were red and he had white flecks of snow and ice dusting the dark spikes of his hair. He started the car and paused to take off his glasses and wipe them down. That was when he turned to smile at me, without glasses. His eyelashes were longer than I expected, and he had this sort of adventurous light in those eyes, which I decided weren't quite green, brown, or gray in color, but a really intriguing mix of all three. What? he asked as I stared too long at him. Why are you smiling? I don't know. I shrugged and reached for the defroster as a distraction. Maybe I like you without glasses. Ah, he nodded knowingly and donned the glasses again. I told you they were just Clark Kent glasses, part of the disguise. But while we're out on the streets with the common people, I'll have to keep them on. You know, for your protection. I couldn't stop myself from laughing. Your disguise, huh? Are you still trying to hint to me that you're a superhero, books porter? 
He flipped the windshield wipers on and the ice started clearing. Wouldn't you like to know? He put the car into gear. I shivered as we moved forward, but I wasn't sure if it was from the cold or something else. Books navigated carefully out of the parking lot, past the buses, and all the people running to their cars. I waved at Bryce, who was boarding a bus, and he gave me a funny look when he saw who was driving my car. Oops, let the rumors begin. Are you not taking Highway 199? I inquired when books turned onto a back road instead of heading toward the main highway through Springtown. I figured 199 would be kind of crazy right now, he explained. Roads with fewer cars operated by crazy, dramatic Texans are less dangerous for us. I thought undriven, snow-covered back roads would be more dangerous. I know how to drive on snow, Sophia. Besides, this is a more interesting route. He had a point. I gripped the door handle, watching with anxiety as we cautiously crunched our way along the icy ground. Normally, I only lived about 10 minutes away from school. But since we were taking the long way there and going so slowly, this was going to take longer than I thought. For a few minutes, neither of us spoke. I could tell he was concentrating on the road and I was not going to distract him from that job. I finally pulled my cell phone back out just to check for text messages. There was only one from Kara asking where I was and what was going on at school. I took a minute to respond to her and then debated if I should text Connor or wait to see if he texted me first. We were coming up on Jill Jenkins' house soon, and the thought of Books's accusations earlier made my stomach turn over again. I knew all about Jill's extracurricular activities with half the football team, but there had never been rumors about Jill with Connor. Trust me, I would have known. Oh my gosh, I gasped as I pressed my face against the window. What? Books jumped and jerked the wheel slightly before riding the car and checking his mirrors. No, not the road. Look, look at Jill's house. Sophia, you can't scare me like that when I'm driving. There was a red Chevy truck in the driveway with a Springtown Porcupine's number 21 decal on the back bumper, and there was snow piling up on top of it. That's Connor's truck! The air in my lungs felt cut off. Did you see Jill at school today? Books was quiet. I glanced over at him. He was gripping the steering wheel with both hands and staring solemnly straight ahead as we rolled slowly past Jill's house. Connor hadn't been at school, and I was pretty sure Jill hadn't been at her locker this morning either. Maybe that's not really him, I suggested without conviction. Books didn't say a word. I mean, why would he be at her house right now, in this kind of weather? You mean perfect cuddle up by a fire and make out weather? Books finally replied tartly. That only made my heart race faster. I gave my attention to my phone. I could just call Connor and ask him or maybe trick him to see if he was telling the truth? Without another word, I texted him. Hey, I thought I just saw your truck at school. Are you here somewhere? While I waited for a response, I leaned back into the headrest and avoided looking over at books. He and Jill are just friends. I mean, maybe he's helping her with something, or maybe his parents took his truck, or maybe... (sighs) I stopped to breathe more deeply. This wouldn't be so disturbing to me if Connor hadn't already said some of the sweetest things to me lately, and if he hadn't already asked me out for Friday night, and if I hadn't already spent the last three years dreaming about him. My phone vibrated. Nope, my truck is here with me at home. I slept in. Are you still at school? Some of us are going to meet up later at the football field and build snowmen. You should come. I'll text you when I know more details. My heart dropped as I read his text. He freaking lied. I whispered, staring in horror at the phone. What did he say? 
books asked quietly, glancing over at me in concern. I was silent for a moment as my eyes burned with tears. Soph? Go ahead, books, I responded angrily. Say, I told you so. You were right. He's a stupid liar. I'm sorry. You're sorry? Really? My voice was hot with sarcasm. Because for some reason, I have a feeling that you knew he was at Jill's. Is that why you drove me this way? Was it one of those predictions of yours? One of those times when you saw something? Did you want me to see his truck out there like that so I would hate him and suddenly decide to go out with you? His mouth opened and closed, but no words came out. Oh my gosh, what am I saying? I dropped my face into my hands. I sound like a crazy person now too. I mean, this is my own fault. I've just been swallowing everything Connor was saying about how he couldn't believe he had taken this long to see how beautiful I was and that he was ready to start settling down to one girl and make a commitment and that I was so smart and those were just lies. I knew it was too good to be true. I saw the way he was looking at Jill, but I just... (sighs) I looked back at the window, barely noticing the familiar landscape as we got closer to my neighborhood and the big hill. I just wanted it to be true. I've worked so hard for him to notice. I stopped short and an awkward silence followed. Sophia, that's messed up. He's the wrong guy if you've been under his nose all this time and he still hasn't figured out how special you are. Don't say that, I replied flatly. I'm a total idiot. For years, I've had this stupid plan. I shook my head trying to clear it from the confessions that wanted to spill out of my mouth. Did you know that I love steak? The inner filter that warned me about what not to say had finally busted. I thought you were a vegetarian. I wanted to lose weight so Connor would like the way I looked in my cheerleading uniform. At the time that I gave up meat, he was flirting with Kayla Jones. She was exactly four pounds lighter than me, and I knew because we all had to weigh in at cheerleading clinic. So the only way I could get the four pounds off was to go all veggies. Are you kidding me? Not kidding, I stated. Books had started the ascent up the hill where my driveway forked off the road, but not even his horrified look could stop my words from pouring out. I was breaking all my policies now. But it worked. Guess who started flirting with me? Connor. And last year, I heard him say that girls with long hair were so much hotter than girls with short hair. So guess what I've been doing for the last year and a half? Growing my hair out. Even though there's this really cute short hairstyle I found in a magazine that I keep thinking I want to try. Sophia... I know. I'm a ridiculous sellout, just like you said. Popularity and perfection are like currency around here. I spat the words out and started picking violently at every little piece of fuzz I could find on my coat. Perfect grades get you the perfect college, and perfect attendance earns you scholarships, and being involved in as many leadership positions as possible makes your resume more perfect for college applications. Oh, and my mom's favorite reminder— A perfect boyfriend can give me the perfect future and will keep me from winding up single and pregnant at 18 like her. I finished. At some point, my voice had risen to an obnoxious volume and was pinched with the threat of explosive tears. And I don't want to end up like her books. I don't. I want to be different. But if you're right and Connor's reputation is really like that, then am I not just heading in the same direction as my mom? Am I so weak that I'd do anything for Connor's stupid approval? Oh my gosh. I'm so mad at myself right now that I just want to go kill a cow and grill up a big fat steak smothered in A1 sauce. I let out a strangled sort of chuckle, slightly hysterical that I had just admitted 
all my deepest secrets to books. What in the world? Books glanced over at me for just one second as if he wasn't sure how to respond to everything he was hearing. But one second without eyes on the road was a big mistake. When I directed my attention back through the windshield, I realized too late that there was a car careening sideways down the hill, skidding into our lane. We were less than two seconds away from a head-on collision. I think I screamed and grabbed the dashboard. Books turned the steering wheel so sharply that we went off the side of the road. From what I could see through the flicking windshield wipers, we were now on a collision course with the trees. He kept grappling with the wheel and doing things with the accelerator, but it seemed useless. I slammed my eyes closed as the car bumped and jumped. I felt my body jerked around in directions I didn't understand, my seatbelt tightening painfully around me. At any moment, the point of impact would happen, either with the other car or the huge trees lining my street. I prepared for the worst. Pain. Death. But then the car somehow regained traction and came to a sudden halt. I stopped screaming and kept my hands over my eyes for a second. Oh my gosh, are we dead? No. The other car? Fine. They straightened back out. I opened my eyes. We were in my driveway, safely at the top of the hill. Books put the car into park and then slowly pried his fingers from the steering wheel and wiggled them around. He released his breath as if he'd been holding it. I leaned over without thinking and hid my face in the shoulder of his coat, trying to slow my heart rate. You okay? He asked softly. Maybe? I don't know yet. My voice was muffled against his coat. The delicious scent of him flooded my senses. I told you I'd get you here safely. The amusement was back in his voice. How did you do that? How did we miss the car and the trees? It's not possible. Wide-eyed, I pulled back to watch his expression closely. Something weird had just happened. Whatever you did back there was like real superhero stuff. Magic, he answered, that wild look back in his eyes. No, seriously. He was kidding about magic, right? Just like I was kidding about superheroes. But I wasn't really kidding. There was absolutely no way. We should be wrecked on the side of the road. For some reason, he just responded by throwing an arm around my neck and pulling my head to his chest for a few seconds. And for some reason, I let him, basking in his affection and the comfort it brought. Then he patted my hair, pulled away to turn the car off, and got out. I followed suit, finding that my legs were shaking. We met in front of the car where he transferred the keys into my hands. Thanks for driving me home. I tried to smile despite my trembling hands and watering eyes. The cold stung my face and my shoulder definitely felt sore from the seatbelt. So, I stared at him for a second, unsure what to say next. So, he repeated, narrowing his eyes at me. What are you thinking right now? I'm, um, trying to figure you out, I answered honestly. Was everything that happened today coincidence or luck? A miracle? Or was Books more than he appeared to be? Maybe something in the car had rattled my brain. Does that mean you'll go on a date with me this weekend? His voice had that teasing tone as he shoved his hands back into his pockets. The snow swirled mercilessly as we stood there facing each other. But at least the sky had stopped chunking ice pellets at us. When I hesitated to respond, he continued, in case you didn't know, dates are like these socially acceptable outings where you try to figure out if you like the other person or not by engaging in a public activity you both enjoy. 
I pushed my blowing hair behind my ear and looked down at the ground. How could he still want to go out with me after all I had revealed about myself? I don't know, books. Obviously, I'm kind of a mess. I can dig a good mess, especially when she's a perfect little mess. I just shook my head with a regretful smile. Not funny. I know I'm not perfect, okay? But I need to figure out things with Connor first, and I trailed off because it sounded stupid in my own ears. Why did I care so much about Connor again? He took a couple of steps back, nodding his head like he understood. If you're still worrying about him, then I guess there wasn't enough magic in the air today after all. I'll see you later, Soph. Go get some rest. You're not really walking home, are you? Yeah, it's okay. I don't live far. He turned his back to me, hunching his shoulders against the wind. Well, wait. Are you sure you don't want to come in for a little while? I offered, a part of me shriveling inside with every step he took away from me. No, I'm good. He threw a smile back at me as the distance between us grew. Something seemed wrong as I watched him go, but I felt helpless to fix it. There was something unique about books, something that glowed, and it was fading the further away he walked. I wanted to call out to him again, but I was a coward. Getting romantically involved with books would kill my social status. He was acceptable to have as a friend, but he wasn't boyfriend material. I hardly knew enough about him, right? He was about to turn the corner when I finally noticed the pink flashes dancing around me. I blinked several times, thinking my eyes were just blurring from the icy wind. But no, there were soft pink things falling from the sky and settling on top of the white snow that was already on the ground. I held up my hand and watched as bright and beautiful pink flakes drifted around me and stuck to my glove. What in the... Can you imagine how beautiful the world would be covered completely in sparkly pink snow, like cotton candy? I spun around quickly and found that it was sprinkling all over my yard now. It was unlike anything I'd ever seen. And the phenomenon was originating from one direction, Books' retreating figure. Books, I called. He must not have heard me because he kept walking, the pink snow creating a wind tunnel behind him. I started running, calling his name. When I finally caught up, I swung him around by both arms, planting myself securely in front of him. My breath was coming out in pink puffs as I peered up at him incredulously. Surprisingly, he just had that adorable grin on his face, like he had expected this. Something truly unnatural and magical was happening, and I was absolutely sure this time that he was doing it. The magic rippled out of him like waves of warm sugar. It was that glow. Nothing I could see, just something I felt. I wasn't sure what kind of superhero power that was, but I was hooked on it. Hey, I said, trying to catch my breath. The snow is pink. He gazed around us, acting as if he hadn't noticed. Well, that's convenient. You did say pink made you happy. Are you kidding me? I started laughing and did a little childish spin among the pink flurries. It should not have been believable, and it was certainly not explainable. It really did look like cotton candy crystals sparkling around us. You know what this means, right? I gushed. He raised his eyebrows. I have a guess. It means you have to stay now and help me build a snow girl. He frowned. Snow girl? Don't you mean a snowman? Books. I tilted my head patronizingly. One does not build a snowman with magical pink snow. Not when one has a closet full of accessories to dress up the perfect pink snow girl. He nodded in mock agreement. 
That makes the second girliest thing you've ever said to me. I reached up and carefully removed his glasses. One pink blossom of ice caught in his long eyelashes and he blinked it away, never breaking eye contact with me. I wondered what he saw when he looked at me like that. Is that all you wanted, Miss Perfectly Pink? Actually, I hesitated shyly. Is that offer to take me to see the Christmas lights this weekend still open? As if his smile couldn't get any wider. Yeah, I believe it is. If you throw in a steak dinner, I'm all yours. He pretended to think it over. I think I can arrange that. It was social suicide. It was unplanned, out of control, asking for surprises. But I suddenly didn't care. I just wanted more of the glow. It's a date then. I smiled up at him with admiration. I mean, you did predict it. We can't let your record be anything less than perfect. When he opened his arms for me to fall into, I felt a tingle race through my body. And it wasn't frostbite. We've put a link to Chrissy's website in the show notes, and you can find all her work there. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. 